on their face with a hobnailed boot and broke their nose. We just crushed their face. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Damn Good Podcast. This is Seth Emerson. Over there is Jeff Schultz. Jeff, how you doing? I'm doing great. I just found out that I beat out Rennie Curran for a starting job. And this he's not going to take this very well. <laughs> Rennie does a great job. Let's just let's just point out I was not consulted on this. Okay? <laughs> let's leave it at that. All right. So I'm nor was here with Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Jeff, since the last time we talked, a scrappy uh, two star has... from West Los Angeles. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, Compton? Are you straight out of Compton? No, I'm straight out of West Los Angeles. Mm, okay. I don't know the layout of L.A. And by the way, I just saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, it was good. It was good. I it was, thought it was very good. Yeah. If yeah. only, uh, if only it went that way in real life, unfortunately. But uh, which I, I thought. Well, let's not give away. You, right. you good job. Good job. Sorry, Jeff. you just gave away the ending. Sorry. Uh, yeah. By the way, uh, if you haven't seen it's, Sixth Sense, um, Jeff, and we'll, we'll we'll tell you at the twenty-five minute mark of this podcast. The twist there, and if you haven't seen Citizen Kane, uh, Jeff will tell you. Just ask him on Twitter. Anyway, um, so <laughs> since we last talked, Georgia has officially added Jamie Newman as presumably its quarterback for 2020. Stetson Bennett might have something to say about it before it's over, but we'll see. Um, we're right. gonna kind of do something new on today's show and also answer questions we got from people on Twitter that I sent out a request for Twitter questions about five minutes literally before we started uh, recording this because we just do things on the fly here. That's what we do. But first, let, let, let's talk because the Jamie Newman thing, we haven't had a chance, Jeff and I, to talk about it. Um, your immediate reaction, Georgia trading out Jake Fromm for this kid from Wake Forest that most Georgia fans had never heard of until a couple weeks ago. Uh, well, reaction is twofold. Number one, it confirmed that um, – Kirby Smart was not enamored of what he had coming back next year. And um, it's going to be hard for Stetson Bennett to take that personally. I understand that he might go into camp. You can talk more about that as technically the number one. But I I think if you, if you really pursue bringing in a transfer quarterback, that sort of says something about what the head coach is thinking. And then number two, I think it at least has the potential to um, – We'll remain. We'll wait to see if it helps. If it helps the offense or makes it better, but certainly at least part partially changes the offense, or at least adds a a new dynamic to the offense that we haven't seen before. You know, and the kid's pretty good. I mean, I, I honestly, Seth, I was looking at his statistics, and I understand this is a dangerous thing to do because you know Wake Forest did not play the schedule that Georgia played this year, but statistically, Jamie Newman had a pretty good year. He actually statistically had a better year than Jake Fromm. He, in two fewer games, he threw for more yards. He had a a better yards per attempt um, average, 7.9 to 7.4. He threw for more touchdown passes. Um, he actually had even had a slightly higher completion percentage. So this kid, you know, playing at not a great program actually is pretty good. In fact, Mark Richt, after the move was announced, went on Twitter and said he's going to be the best quarterback in the SEC next year. Um, yeah, and, and, and first you're like, well, really? And then you start going through it and like, well, this guy's leaving, this guy's leaving, this guy's leaving. And right, yeah, right. it's not the craziest thing anybody's said. It, it, it's got, This is a classic thing of he's taking a step up in competition, um, but he's also getting – a step up in personnel around him. Even with all of Georgia's personnel losses, especially on the old line, 
He's going to have a better O-line than he had at Wake Forest. He's going to have better athletes at receiver and especially at running back than he had there. And But he's also going in a different system. He's going to be asked to run a little bit more than the Wake Forest coaches asked him to run, partly because of system, partly because of priority. Um, I think one of the reasons he come, wanted to come to Georgia was they they told him, look, you're not going to be Michael Vick out there. We're not going to ask you to do that. We're you know, we're, we're still going to run our, our base offense, but we're going to change some things up that we've done. And what we want you to do is is extend plays when they're not there. Um, and then also sometimes, you know, maybe we'll call more quarterback runs than we used to, but not a whole lot. So it's uh, it, it, it's going to just be fascinating to see how it plays out from a writing standpoint. It's it makes 2020 a lot more interesting than if. Jake Fromm was. I mean, Jake Fromm coming back for a senior year would have still been a great story. What what he does with his you know, to cement his legacy. Um, this is more interesting because this is just so different. Uh, but it, is Georgia better at quarterback mm-hmm. with Jamie Newman rather than Jake Fromm? I don't think so. But I still think they can win with this guy. No, yeah, and and you know none of this means that you or I think that Jamie Newman is a better college quarterback than Jake Fromm. However, that doesn't mean that Georgia might still be in a very good position next year. Um, He does bring a different element. He can run the ball. And you're right. I mean, for the first time, I I think in at least a year, maybe two years, Georgia's kind of is going to be a fascinating story to watch because you have the new quarterback transfer quarterback element that I can't, that we don't normally see at Georgia. Uh, there was Grayson Lambert, but that was more of a yeah, yeah. Of, you know, and he was sort of like last resort, last guy there kind of thing. I just that I, was I don't know. that was after <laughs> spring practice, and they got to see what they had and said, mm. yeah, 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 exactly. Um, you have you know obviously the Kirby element of okay, is he going to do something here to to mandate this thing open up a little bit or um, or and, and then you have the James Coley slash play caller element, because we still don't know, at least with with 100% certainty, um, what it's going to look like next year. Although I would imagine at this point, you would agree it looks like James Coley is going to be calling plays next year. Is that Well, do you want to use this as an opportunity to get into our mailbag segment then? Sure. Because we're getting questions along this line. Um, Let me get to... And I've got to go through my Twitter feed, my very official list of questions here. Actually... Starts off with a question from Parrish Walton, um, longtime follower, uh, and I follow him back. Parrish, good guy. Never actually met him in person. Parrish, I got to meet you at some point. Um, but uh, and you're buying the beer, by the way, Parrish. Uh, I take that back. I'll buy him a beer because he's a subscriber. If you are a subscriber to the Athletic, and you meet up with me in downtown uh, Athens or downtown anywhere, I will buy you a beer. I'm going to I'm going to tweet this and yes, we're going to go see how many thousands of people you're going to be buying right. beers for. So Parrish <laughs> asked me, uh, have you heard anything new with regards to the open spot? I mean, the open coaching spot since the story that I wrote earlier in the week was published. Um, and that actually dovetails with what somebody else wrote. And this was uh, by is it baseball season? Oh, it's history of Matt. You've, you've changed history of Matt. You have changed your name again. Uh to is it baseball season yet? So he wrote to me, you wrote that unlike Schleybaugh, Mark Schleybaugh, you don't believe Todd Munkin will join UGA staff. All right, let me stop you right there. I didn't write that. I didn't. Maybe that was your takeaway. Todd Munkin is 
uh, was the Cleveland Browns offensive coordinator this past year. He also has a lot of history in the college game. He was Southern Miss's head coach, I think from 2012 to 14, if I got my dates right, and Oklahoma State's offensive coordinator before that. Um, ESPN's Mark Schleyball, who Jeff and I both know well and trust his reporting, uh, wrote earlier in the week to keep an eye on Jeff Munkin and or Todd Munkin and um, Georgia's opening. Uh, what I wrote was it's possible, but the, the something would have to give with him and James Coley unless Kirby is really able to finagle it um, because the, I, I does Munkin come in here without being the play caller? I don't know. Um, at the same time, there are, and, and since I wrote that, often, offensive coordinator jobs at the college level have been filled. Uh, Oregon mm-hmm. is hiring – Joe Moorhead, former Mississippi State head coach. Um, who else is um, Notre Dame promoted from within? So it, it could end up that Kirby ends up in a situation he's able to get somebody pretty good, perhaps like Todd Munkin, because there aren't as many jobs open. Um, and it does get back to what's happening with James Coley. Is James Coley definitely still the offensive coordinator and play caller? You'd have to say right now as we're sitting here recording this on January 16th that he will be, but I'm not going to sit here and lock stock, you know, Conf- you know, say that that's absolutely the truth. Uh, I, I I think that if, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. The Kirby is doing a good job of keeping this all uh, clamped up. I would say James Cole is probably going to still be the play caller and offensive coordinator, but you at this point wouldn't rule out somebody else coming if somebody else is out there that Kirby can get and thinks would be better for the program. Well, and is there is there sort of, you know, sort of an answer between the two ends of the spectrum, which is, could you bring in a guy like Todd Monk and uh, as an added coach in any way? Right. Um, does Kirby believe that he and James Coley can coexist? I mean, I really right. don't think at this point James Coley's getting fired. Put it that way. I think James Coley's on the staff. I think. I mean, I would. I would really be surprised if if Kirby was stringing it out this long. You know just for the sake of recruiting, let's say, and then, you know, cutting the guy off at his knees after recruiting. I just, I mean, maybe I'm naive and I'm a sucker. I just don't believe he would do that. Um, I, but I, but now whether he comes back as the play caller, I think is the question. And, and, or if he comes back as the play caller, does Kirby still want to add somebody? And it might come down to, does Todd Monk and have Heather other options or does he want to sit out a year? Um, does he want to stay in the NFL where, you know, he maybe he doesn't get an offensive coordinator job off the disaster that was the Browns this year, although Freddie right. Kitchens was calling plays from my understanding. Or does he, you know, go be a quarterback's coach somewhere? There's 32 quarterback's coaching jobs. I don't know how many are, are filled or not. But um, Kirby could also have leverage here with a, a candidate like Todd Munkin or somebody else and with James Coley. Like, where is James Coley going to go? Where is Todd Munkin going to go? Maybe maybe he can make something work. You you make the you, you say that about the analyst role that might actually be preferable for someone like Todd Munkin or an NFL guy mm-hmm. that doesn't want to recruit. I mean that part of it. Why did Joe Brady leave LSU for the Panthers this week? Well, money and th- that you know a lot of people he's going to be calling plays at Carolina is a big reason, but also probably a lot of these guys don't want to recruit. Yeah, that takes up. Right. A lot of time, and I don't blame people. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 
there's a lot of people who go from college to the NFL who say, "Ooh, man, I love this so much better because yeah. they've they've got you know half the job is taken off their plate and they can concentrate on the football or have more family time, right, or golf time." I I I don't know Todd Monken well, but I, I suspect he he's going to want to do whatever he thinks is going to be best for his future as a coach and to be a head coach potentially. Uh, last time he was a head coach or was it Southern Miss was the only time he was a head coach maybe? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, or he gets back to a place where he can be an OC again. And I don't know, I would imagine his preference would be the NFL, but I'm not hundred percent sure of that he did spend a lot of time in college. Um, maybe he's looking at now. Yeah. Maybe he's looking at an NFL OC job again or a college head coaching job. It's hard to know. He's in his 50s, I believe. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's hard to know at this point, you know, what is sort of his priority. I would tend to doubt he would want to sit out a year. Most guys don't want to do that unless they're coming off a, a head coaching job and they have so much money and they think they still have enough cachet on their resume that they can still get a job in a year. Most of these guys are wired that they want to keep coaching. To the NFL part, I don't know how many staffs have openings right now. A lot, there have been a lot of openings filled here in these last couple of weeks, um, because a lot of staffs, a lot of teams want to get their staffs together before they they jump into the draft and free agency. There's probably still a handful of jobs open, but I honestly I don't know off the top of my head what they are. Mm-hmm. You know, Georgia is actually a really good, potentially a really good option for him. Uh, if he wants to at least park it here yeah. for a year or two and kind of see what happens. But we'll see. Um, and I'm glad you've got that NFL expertise on on that part of it because, I, I, you know, I've got enough on my plate with college. So thank you for that part of it. All right, let me scroll through here. And, Jeff, you can do that too. And I'll, I'll take this one, and then you take the next one, all right? I'm going to do it okay. that way. We're once again doing our pre-planning <laughs> meeting during the show rather than – uh, after the show, uh, and I want to make this not too much of a football-y one. I'll, I'll do a quarterback one. Camp Anaconda, not his real name, I assume, asked me, with transfer for a year, Jamie Newman, as we were talking about, and UGA recruiting Vandergriff, Brock Vandergriff, uh, et cetera, is Carson Beck still in the running? Yeah, I think Carson Beck is still in the running, um, or else they would have told him, don't come here. Uh, they wouldn't have signed him. Hmm. Um I think that right now it's Jamie Newman for 2020 and then probably wide open for 2021 and afterwards. I, they, The people I talk to in the recruiting world seem to think that Georgia's got a good shot at getting either Brock Vandegriff or Caleb Williams. Um, I'd lean towards Vandegriff right now as the more likely to commit to Georgia. And those are both five-star quarterbacks. But this is an opportunity in the spring for – Dwan Mathis or Carson Beck or even Stetson Bennett, who will still have another year of eligibility in 2021 if he wants to stick around, to make an impression because uh, they, they're going to have to because clearly there's going to be a new starter in 2021. So they've got to – this is a chance to put some distance between themselves and whoever the new guy is that comes in in 2021. All right. Nothing to uh, add to that, Jeff? No, I have nothing no. okay. to add to Your that. Okay, your turn. No. Yeah, I'm, I'm focused on pizzas. So okay, I knew you were I going for that one. I, I don't. <laughs> I I don't have my Twitter feed up in front of me, or at least I can't find the uh, answer uh, question now. But somebody asked me, "Can you get good pizza in Atlanta?" Okay, well, first of all, 
uh, I am also sort of like a pizza snob, like a lot of people out there. Um, and, and I live in Roswell. Uh, I'm not going to give you my address, but there are, there are (laughs) at least three great pizza places here in Roswell. Pizzeria Luca, uh, L-U-C-C-A, uh, Zuzu, which is a great, small, out-of-the-way um, Italian place on Oak Street in Roswell, and uh, a place called Local on North, which is just off Canton Street. Uh, it used to be called The Fix. Uh, they just serve pizza now. It's more of a regular restaurant, but they still have some pizzas on their menu. And I, I mean, Antico is really good. I mean, in Atlanta, there's a few locations now, and Fellini's. Uh, so that would be my um, that would be my pizza take. I, I think they're all five stars. I think they've all developed really well. Um, they've sort of stayed within their offense. You know, they haven't really gone too crazy. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, yeah, no transfers, no transfer um, crust. I, I can't thin speak crust. to Atlanta. I'm a thin I'm a thin crust guy, by the way. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm more so, of a thin crust guy too. Yeah, I but don't I don't know if that's because I've been so like soured by the Domino's and Papa John's of the world. No, it, it, let me tell you when when I, I I think I was living on the West Coast when when the whole deep dish thing first sort of hit out there. I'm I know it was in Chicago for years, and I thought, well, this is different. And I think the first time I had it, it's like, wow, this is different. But then after a while, it's like, you know, I don't want to eat a loaf of bread. I don't want to eat a loaf of bread when I eat pizza, and uh, I want I want that thin crust, crispy on the bottom, mm-hmm. uh, and so yeah, that's I'm 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 thin, I'm thin crust guy. Thin crust. Well, guy. I had deep dish last summer when uh, we had a summit. The athletic uh, had a summit, and we went to a we went to Chicago, mm-hmm. and I, it, it was good. But I also at some point just felt like I was eating lasagna. Yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah. Although I like lasagna. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I do, but still. Okay, so yeah. in Athens, because that is my place of residence, um, Mama Sid's is a uh, long time, I think they've been here like 30 years or something. Um, one of the guys that, I think maybe the guy that runs it look like, looks like Mike Mills. Um, I don't know, maybe I think all white guys look alike, but I just kind of think he looks like It, it could be Mike Mills. Me. He still lives in Athens. It could be, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, they're, they're like a buffet place, and it's great. Um, Alex, my son, really wants me to go uh, because I, I told him, he's a six-year-old kid, said, yeah, you, you pay, but then you just eat all the pizza you want. And he's like, huh? So, yeah. Um, and Pepino's, great place, kind of outskirts between Athens and Watkinsville, um, corner of Millage and Simonton Bridge Road. Uh, I feel like I'm forgetting something. People are going to bring up Transmet, I know. Um, I'm not even sure they're still around, to be honest. They had a location off of Mitchell Bridge Road that isn't there anymore. I'm going to forget something, and, and somebody's going to mention it, but those are those are the two that stand out to me, Mama Sid's and, and Pepino's. And people should notice neither one of us mentioned a chain uh, right. So right. people who say stuff like, well, I'm not even going to mention the chains. No, no, you should not so, mention. Yeah. Yeah. I know this great new place called pizza. All right. Yeah. Um, question from chief dog 10. Yes. In your opinion, does Newman, Jamie Newman, not Newman from Seinfeld. And by the way, it, could there be more jokes? <laughs> how, how many hello Newman and other jokes I, have we gotten in the last week? Which is increased, ratcheted up by the fact that Wayne Knight, <laughs> who is Newman, is a Georgia grad. Okay. Anyway. I, really? You knew that, right? I No. No, he is. 
Oh. So my my goal is to get those two together. By the way, is to interview Wayne Knight about someone named Newman not being or, quarterback, or we at least need to have him on a podcast. Yeah, well, <laughs> use your Hollywood contacts there, Mister <laughs> West Los Angeles person. Get it done. I do that. Yeah. Um. So Chief Dog Ten asks, in your opinion, does Newman signal a willingness to change the offense, or is it Kirby following his quote "take the best player" unquote philosophy? Uh, maybe a little bit of both, I would say. I think Newman is the best player available. Um, I, this does get back to, to me, I think Kirby has wanted a running quarterback, a dual threat quarterback all along. Um, this is not a, he woke up the morning after Jake Fromm declared for the draft and said, uh, it's time to change philosophy. Number one, when he got here, it was fresh off of being burned his defense at Alabama by Deshaun Watson and his running ability. They still won that game, but scored a lot of points. Um, and he, his Alabama defense had also been burned by Johnny Manziel. So he knew how effective it could be. He gets here, and what does he inherit? He inherits a quarterback room that has Grayson Lambert and Bryce Ramsey and uh, Jacob Eason was committed and who wouldn't want a five-star? So he goes out and gets Jacob Eason, but he had also recruited Jake Fromm at Alabama, so he mm-hmm. goes gets him. But then he also recruits Justin Fields. Uh, he also recruits John Reese Plumley, who went to Alabama or went to Ole Miss after I, th- I think Georgia basically asked him to blue shirt, and he said, "No, nah, I'm not going to do that." And then he ended up this year running all over the SEC West. John Reese Plumley did. So he's done it before. Um, it's just, this is the opportunity to go get it. And then it doesn't necessarily signal a change in offensive philosophy. It's an opportunity to show that side of him and of, of what Kirby smart wants and what James Coley wants. And I I think that's what we're going to see in 2020. Yeah, that that's the test, right? Because I, I think you're, you're, you're accurate, dead on accurate when you say Kirby has wanted to I, on one this sort of like left side, right side brain has wanted to open up the offense or has wanted to add the running element to of the offense by recruiting the people he has, including Justin Fields. But the question then becomes what is going to prompt him to actually change the offense? Right. And, you know, I would, we, you and I both would assume that if Justin Fields, you know, had ever taken over as the starting quarterback, that element would have been there. But we can't, I mean, I can't say with 100% certainty it was going to happen because we never saw it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's a difference between, in my view, there's a difference between sort of thinking, I want to do this. uh, I want to bring these guys in. I understand this is the way everything's going. And then physically actually doing it in a game when it comes down to making decisions or when it comes down to actually designing a play call. Because... You know, coaches are sort of have their comfort zone like everybody else. They're creatures mm-hmm. of a habit. And it's like, this is what they fall back on. And so, so yeah, I mean, now they, now they bring in a guy who ran for, what, five 600 yards last year and some touchdowns. Do they now add that element to the part of the offense? Or do they basically sort of still run what they're running, so, but sort of have that as a, a second look? In other words, it's not like they're going to go to a – an option offense, obviously. You know what, I, you know what no, I'm saying? I, mean, I no. think there's, yeah. It, it kind of gets back so. to could they, they, they brought in Newman but told him 
one of the attractions to him was he was not going to be asked to run all the time. That we want mm-hmm. you to be a pro style quarterback because we, you know, you want to go to the NFL. And even though the NFL is acclimating to that, like Lamar Jackson, despite them going out early in the playoffs, the Ravens still had success with Lamar Jackson. Um, you're, the NFL still wants guys that can throw first. And Jamie Newman wants to show that he can do that. Um, and But you're, you're definitely going to see the Georgia quarterback run a lot more than they have in, mm-hmm. in the past, uh, maybe right. since the – Agree. You know since the Fran Tarkenton days. Um, Jeff, it's your turn. Do you have do you have one you want to pick? Um, well, a lot of them are, are sort of overlapping now, uh, what we just talked about. Um, well, here's a scholarship numbers question that I'm yeah. – <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a Seth question. Um, I, I guess, well, this one's interesting, uh, with the transfer coming in for a year, this is from, did you, did you address this one? I think I addressed that one. one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, it was interesting 20 minutes ago. Thanks for joining the show, Jeff. Yeah. All right. I'm going to take over. Andre asks, what do you think Kirby could learn if anything from coach O? Um, and by coach O, do you think he means, um, Oh, yeah, I skipped that one. There we go. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I was trying to think of someone funny, like another Coach O out there. But, yeah, he clearly means that Orgeron. Um, I don't think Coach O is an overall better coach than Kirby, but he certainly seems to be more flexible and better at delegating. Don't think being more of a CEO coach is Kirby's style, though. What say you? No, he is definitely not a CEO coach. Um, but Ed Orgeron, by the way, failed several times as a head coach, one of them as an interim at USC. But he failed at Ole Miss. They got three years there, um, and who would have thought after you know, he doesn't get the job at USC, which I don't think anyone expected him to um, when he took over after Lane Kiffin was fired, who would have thought that we'd be sitting here in 2020 and Ed Orgeron was just the head coach of the national champion and a team that was 15-0 and and just ran over everybody and did it via offense at LSU, the same LSU of less miles where – you know, 13 points was worthy of a parade. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, people evolve. And Kirby's the kind of guy I think that will kind of privately evolve, but not get out there and publicly do it. I've, I've gotten criticized by readers when I described Kirby as a dynamic person because everyone's kind of focused on the offense part of it. And they see the man ball part and says, this guy's just not modern. He's not going to change, blah, blah, blah. He's too stubborn. And I say, I, I think he's dynamic in so many other things. I mean, so many people have told him that if you weren't a football coach, you'd be a businessman. And, and he talks that way. And he's, he's a dynamic recruiter. He's dynamic in the things he does with, with Georgia and facilities and the things he wants. And Georgia needed that when he hired him, when they hired him. And, and I just, I refuse to believe that he will not be, you know, he won't do what he needs to do on offense. Um, I, I think that the Jamie Newman thing is a good um uh, a good move in that direction, a good show of that. And I think they opened up the offense a little bit and the Sugar Bowl and the SEC Championship, and I think you continue to see it open up. Um, I don't know that you'll see him become the CEO. It's just not – you don't you don't want to be who you're not. And I think Ed Orgeron, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, I don't know if you would know, Jeff, but I think in his previous stints he was kind of the way he is now. I mean, he wasn't running – 
either side of the ball. No, he was a D line coach and a recruiter, and and yeah. that was that was it. I, I you know frankly, I'm just fascinated that we've gone from you know a decade plus of wanting to follow the Nick Saban blueprint to now wanting to follow the Ed Orgeron blueprint yeah. in college football. Well, it's whoever wins. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, you know, and and look, I anybody who's ever met, talked to, or just watched Ed Orgeron on TV, you can't help but love the guy um, because he is what he is right there. But I'm really interested to see with them what happens next year. And I don't want to take anything away from them this year at all. But you're losing this great, you know, next hot play caller, Joe Brady. You're losing the best quarterback uh, in the conference. They've had, I want to say, at least six underclassmen now that have mm-hmm. that have jumped to the NFL. You're losing a lot next year. And you know how quickly in the SEC people go from popular to unpopular. I'm obviously LSU is not going to be as good next year. I would assume they're not going to be as good next year. Um, but I think there's going to be sort of a lot more in Ed Orgeron's shoulders next year than maybe there was this year. That might seem unfair to say that, but he had, he was surrounded by a lot this year. And um, I think people should sort of be careful from about thinking, Oh, let's follow the Ed Orgeron blueprint because he got blessed. I mean, to his credit, he understood. He he brought this guy in. He brought Joe Brady, mm-hmm. Brady in, um, and he brought Burrow in, right, as a transfer. Right. Did he yeah. not? So, um, so yeah, he he gets credit for that. Um, but can they sustain that with those guys gone now? Because it's you don't hit on those guys like that very often in in, in your career. Um, what you're saying so. is LSU should get ahead of the game and. Uh, fire Ed Orgeron and uh, go hire <laughs> Joe Brady, bring him back. That's what you're saying. Got it. Okay. Um, I have another plan for Joe Brady, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to put that on this podcast. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, He's in the NFL now, you know? Yes. So yeah, I, I, I think I said my piece there. I, I think that, I, I think that Kirby is not so stubborn. He's, 40, I think he's 44 now. Um, this is not someone in his 60s. If, if Ed Orgeron could say, and I can't possibly mimic his voice, so I'm not going to. If he can say, all right, this is the way football is going. I'm going to do this. I'm going to modernize. I'm going to bring in this guy to do this. I think, I think Kirby will do that. Um, perhaps we'll find out that via what he does with this one open coaching spot. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it's guaranteed as we sit here Thursday morning that he's going to bring in an offensive person. Um, it could just be a special teams person to replace Scott Fountain in that spot. Um, or it could be someone that kind of floats as an offensive person. Uh, and he lets Todd Hartley, the tight ends coach, take over special teams. It, it, he, you know, there, there could be more attrition on the staff. Um, we'll, we'll see. But I, Maybe he shows something by what he does with this hire. Maybe he's already shown it by bringing in Jamie Newman. But I, I also think that kind of reiterates the direction he always wanted to take with a running quarterback. I mean, honestly, who wouldn't? I mean, wouldn't the ideal thing be to to have Jacob Eason, who can also run like hell? You know, I mean, you don't. You, there, there's nobody out there that that says, 
uh, I, this guy, this quarterback run, this guy's too good a runner. I don't want him. It's a matter of how good you are as a passer and a runner, especially in this days of college football. And by the way, look at Joe Burrow. Do you think it means anything that Kirby has not filled that coaching spot yet? Um, or do you think it's simply the fact of he's focused on recruiting right now, there's no rush? Or do you think he's waiting to see who else might become available here in the next three to four weeks? I think he's, I, I think it's all of the above probably. Um, there's the, you know, the Jamie Newman was recruited in large part by James Coley. So you've got to make sure that Jamie Newman is, is on campus and enrolled and ready to go. And you can't then really say, all right, thanks, Jamie. Uh, by the way, the guy we had recruit you is not actually going to be your coach. Meet your new quarterback's coach, even though James Coley is staying on staff in another role. Um, and Coley is also recruiting Brock Vandergriff and Caleb Williams. Um, so it, it's, it's a dicey thing. And again, maybe – Kirby thinks a lot more highly of James Coley as an offensive coordinator or quarterbacks coach than a lot of other people do. Maybe James Coley was constrained all along and 2020 is going to be about Kirby saying, let Coley be Coley, let him air it out, let him do what he did in the Sugar Bowl and wanted to do in the SEC championship. Um, well, we'll see. I don't, I don't know. I think this, this hire could potentially say a lot. But I, I don't think if they don't bring in somebody who's going to remake the offense or whatever, if, if it's not a statement hire, don't assume that's a bad thing. I, I, mm -hmm. I kind of think Kirby Smart deserves the benefit of the doubt here. He's had a pretty good first four years. The second and the third year were much better on offense than the first and the fourth. But those the second and the third year were still good. So... I, I don't think anybody needs to run to the ramparts and panic here um, if there isn't an obvious statement that they're going to remake the offense. It could just happen. Yeah, I I can't disagree with that. Um, I do think he's going to be moved to do something, though, and I, I do think it, it still gets back to, um, okay, now you have an opportunity to do something. Um, let's see you actually do it. Because, again, I just think, like I said earlier, I think coaches sort of fall into their own patterns and it's hard to get yeah. them off their pattern. But perhaps what's happened, what happened this year might do that. And we'll, we'll certainly find out. All right. That's a good way to wrap okay. up. Um, good impromptu mailbag show. We'll do this again. That's a good way, especially in the off season when there isn't anything immediately like jumping to mind to talk about. We'll let the, let you decide. Listener. Yeah, and and we'll um, maybe we'll send out a tweet, you know, a day or two before the podcast next year, so we can research important topics yeah. like best pizza, as opposed to just doing it on the fly here. You know. Yeah. Well, I sent out the tweet, which was more than you did. So I retweeted it. So yeah, that counts. For, I mean, good for you. All right, everybody. Anything else you want to add, Jeff? No, no, I'm hungry okay. now. Good. Yeah, me too. <laughs> That's it. All right, everybody, uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll join you next week at some point. We just stepped on their face with a hobnail boot and broke their nose. We just crushed their face. <laughs>